sister. <laughs> what happens if you don't feel a hallelujah? <laughs> you know, it, it is um, the Christian season and the spring season where we celebrate the fact that winter does turn to spring every single year and that there is renewal, there is resurrection. But what if you don't feel it? Uh, uh, I I feel um, stuck. Stuck in, I reread the Good Friday readings about the trial, actually the arrest from John, the chapter of John. It's the one that's the most explicit about what happened to Jesus and his disciples and he's in the garden and he's betrayed and it it it's too much like what I'm trying to avoid today because I can't listen to the news I've kind of quit and turned it off and I run to the comic section rather than the front page or the opinion section really I can't I can't bear the news and the Good Friday story is way, it's a, it, it has violence used for power. Peter slices off the ear of a slave while Jesus is praying and they're trying to arrest him. And then he comes into the city and there are people, we talked about it being perhaps our Unitarian holiday because people are mocking him, but also celebrating the radical changes he brings to the world and the changes he brings to the Jewish message that love is what matters and that believing in something bigger than yourself. He called it God. We call it a whole bunch of things. And then his whole... The whole thing he has going with Pontius Pilate reads like all the double talk. Well, the fact that it's called Good Friday, isn't that a spin? Isn't that a religious spin trying to, okay, let's make sense of this. So Pontius Pilate says, what, why have you been brought to me here? And uh, I don't see that you've done anything wrong. And then the crowds where have we seen crowds that ask for things that are violent and evil and wrong? It's the crowd that says, crucify him. And Pilate says, no, 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 let me, you know, this is Passover and I can do Barabbas instead. Let me, let me, let me crucify this man. And supposedly the crowd, the Jews say, no, we want Jesus. It's brutal. And they mock him and they make a crown And they put him on a cross. They pierce his side. It's too much like what I read in the paper. And and the, the way it reminds me of our paper is, so we talk about Jesus being crucified, but lo and behold, there are two others being crucified with him. So I don't know about you, but when I read the paper... The stories are about bodies that are not as valued. All those arrest records and crime pages, 
It's not about me, it's about the bad guys. And that's how the story of John goes. These are robbers, so it's okay that we're crucifying them. Really? (laughs) An empire that's willing to kill its robbers too? This is, Jesus is a, a political prisoner. It's a political act. It's a power, push of power. It's the empire saying we are more powerful and we're going to use the eradication of your body to display our power. And I, I'm struggling to get past that. I really am. Uh, <laughs> one aspect of being a minister is friends and family around Friday, start asking, have you written your sermon? (laughs) Have you written your sermon? Can you really go out to dinner with us? Can I ask you to do this chore, or have you done your sermon? And uh, this week, I was like, "Um, I couldn't even answer, because I was stuck. I'm stuck. I'm still stuck. I'm stuck because we're a country that has literally body snatched to be founded. We snatched bodies from Africa to work our capitalist system and offer their free labor. And we were, we and others were body snatching Native Americans even before that. So we don't even talk about their bodies much because we've pretty successfully on some level, set them aside. And then I think about women who are covered entirely so you can't see them. That, the woman's body is so powerful, it has to be covered up. So I think we have to pay attention when a state wants to take a body or says that a body is not as valuable, this body is not as valuable as that body. I live in a country, in a state, where they're trying to tell me that I should pay attention to the body that's next to me in the stall in the bathroom, that that matters. You know why it matters, why that's dangerous, the person next to you in the stall? It's dangerous if they don't have toilet paper either and can't give it to you. That's the only reason it's a problem. Otherwise, an empire, a nation, a wannabe nation that uses bodies to blow itself up, where we feel like we are vulnerable, we are, we are strong, our hearts are beating, but we're mortal. And now we're going to think twice before we even stand in line to get our tickets. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry to spread my anxiety to you. Okay, I'm done. Thanks. (laughs) We'll share. (laughs) It's all about sharing, right? (laughs) But really, what do you... We're being asked at Easter what we're always being asked, really. The question today is no different than what we're always being asked, which is, how do you go on? How do you accept the fact that you are mortal? How do you accept the fact that if your older parts of your body aren't even working well. So you often feel like not even a full body. 
how do you get out of despair? And I have to say, I tried. My bunny ears, I went down to RE, and I thought wearing white might think of shroud and might cheer me up. So my thought is there are a couple of things I know to do. And one is to remember that I, and I'll say we, have all been through hard times. And I'm talking about even, even the smallest, I think, birth. You're going from a pretty cushy <coughs> condo out into the cold. So you've already experienced that passage from this is fabulous to I have no idea what's next and this is really awkward and uncomfortable. Help! So I think if we discount the children also have some sort of history and reserve and sense of I've been through this before. And that's not always a panacea. I don't mean it that way, but I just mean we have a memory and the fact that Easter comes back over and over again and spring comes back is that same we've got a memory. This happens again. It'll happen again. I can walk through this. And then I'm not doing this alone. That's why I'm here in this church. Because I can hear how you've handled your despair, how you've struggled with your losses, how you coped with the fact that your spouse died and there's a big hole, or your children, or your grandparents, your favorite animal. We've all experienced loss, been in war, been through war. And those are important reserves for us. So then the reading from Mark. There's actually information in that story. So John, the one that's more elaborate about how Jesus was crucified, Mark is the earliest writing about how Jesus was killed. And Mark is always a little more spare, a little less dramatic. In fact, you don't even get to the resurrection and all the doubting and poking your hand and Jesus' wounds. That's not in that particular version of the story. It's very spare. And what's there is that there there were women who were doing what we all do when things are despairing. We take that next step. Okay, my leader died. I'm crushed, but I have a small task. It doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to take the herbs and oils and do what's right in front of me, what's next. So when you look into that black void, you can't fix it, so you just have to take the next step. Part of that story is also that there are things left behind. So there's the woman left behind, and then there's the angel or the person in white that's already in the tomb saying, giving the news, he's gone. And I think the despair and sorrow and grief narrows the world so you think you're alone and nothing is left behind. And that's never true. 
there's always something left behind. So in grief, when you've lost someone, you're still here. And that may seem unfair, and there's that whole survivor's guilt. But who's going to do the work if you aren't there as well? So we are left behind. We're left behind from Belgium. We're left behind from all the injustices that are here in our city and state. And we have work to do. That's why we're left behind. And we're here to dispel that myth that we're alone. We're not alone. I don't know how many of you are here, but maybe a hundred. I'm not alone. That's the other myth that we buy into. That's what grief likes to tell us. You're the only one feeling this terrible. No. And the last thing is love. That not only am I in this group, but there are people who will help me because of love. It's the shroud left behind. It's, it's, it's what exists between us. So for that, I say alleluia. I agree. <laughs> Happy Easter. May it be so.